Ministries, a an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. People often ask me why I ask the same questions at the beginning of every lesson. And the questions are, who is Jesus Christ? Why does Barah Ministries exist? Why do Christians study the Word of God? And who is God's enemy? And quite often, people either tune out or fast-forward through these questions because intellectually, they know the answers. But when the questions are asked live to believers in Christ, they can't seem to get the answers to their mouths. Or worse, they can't cite verses to answer the questions. Now, if you want to know why unbelievers don't want to listen to Christians, that's it. If, If you can't give me an objective viewpoint of why you believe what you believe, then I'm probably not going to listen to you. And so uh, the Apostle Peter has some um, sound advice in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He says this, I, Peter, will always be ready to remind you of these things. And these things, he's talking about biblical truths. Even though you already know them, and even though you have been established in the truth, which is resident in you. So Peter has no problem with reminder. The Apostle Paul has no problems with reminders. And I don't have any problem with reminders. Christians don't get bored with the Word of God. So never tire of these questions. And never tire of learning the different ways the Bible answers these questions. And you'll notice that every week we have a different answer to those questions so that you can get it into your head in such a way that you can't forget it. So join me in never being bothered by repetition. So who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. We worship the one and only true God. He is the Lord, God the Son, as it is written in John chapter 1, verse 1 which says this, in the beginning, not really a beginning, was the word. And that's the Greek expression, ho logos. It's a reference to God the Son, the Lord. And the word was with God the Father, and the word was God. The Lord is deity. So the Lord, God the Son, is the creator of the heavens and the earth. As it is written in John chapter 1, verse 3, all things came into being through him. Through whom? Holagos, the Word, the Lord, God the Son. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. 
The Lord took on the form of a human being to save us from our sins and to repair the broken relationship with God that was caused by Adam's sin. As it is written in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word, holagos, the word, the Lord God the Son, became flesh, entering a new mode of existence, true humanity, as Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. And he lived in a physical body among us. And we, this is John and the apostles, that's who we refers to, and we saw his glory with our own eyes. Glory, as of the uniquely born one from the source of God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's who Jesus Christ is. Why does Barah Ministries exist? Well, Barah Ministries exists to, for your benefit to give you a sanctuary, a refuge in which to learn. At Barah Ministries, we teach the Word of God from God's perspective and not from the human perspective. Uh, and we do that because the human perspective is flawed. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, the Lord is clear. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God does not think like us. How would you explain having unconditional love for a person like Adolf Hitler? The truth of the matter is you can't because none of us has unconditional love toward him. But God does, and even to this day. God has unconditional love toward Satan, even though Satan is his enemy. God is not like us in any way, and we can't reduce him to our level. So why do Christians study the word of God? We get to know the Lord Jesus Christ by studying the Bible, which is his exact thinking revealed. And we develop our relationship with the Lord as we get to know his mind. The Lord says the Bible is not just a book. So studying it is a supernatural experience. That's why we come here. That's why we come to these lessons. We're coming for a supernatural experience that's completely different from all of our experiences in the world. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 say this. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of any person's own private interpretation. That kills the idea that the Bible is just a book. 2 Peter 1, 21. And no prophecy of Scripture was ever made by an act of human will. But men directed from the source of God the Holy Spirit the one who leads all of us into all the truth, spoke directly from the exact thinking of the God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We study the word of God to get our next dose of divine viewpoint. The Lord provides supernatural answers to our human problems, and study demands your focus and your concentration. Well, who is God's enemy? God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. In John chapter 16, verse 11, the Lord says concerning judgment, the ruler of this world, Satan, already has been judged. Satan is a very real creature, and his fate is sealed. He and his fallen angels were sentenced to the lake of fire in eternity past, and their appeal, accusing God of being unloving and unfair, will be struck down in the Supreme Court of Heaven at a future time. Satan is powerless against God, and he is powerless against us. 
Today's Bible lesson, Christianity, relationship, rules, or rebellion. Christianity, relationship, rules, or rebellion. So this is a modification of the only lesson I taught last year, and it was the lesson I taught at the Coeur d'Alene Conference in August. And so I wanted you to have this, and I'm glad to be able to share this with you because it's the perfect lead-in to our study of the book of Colossians. And this year, we're going to study Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians. So four books, all short books, that are power-packed with truth that you don't want to miss. So for this lesson, why do many Christians operate like unbelievers? It's because they've abandoned the power of Christianity to settle for perversions of Christianity. And in today's lesson, we'll get insights on how to reside in the sphere of our victorious, simple, and pure Christian life. Well, let's hear some music. God's relationship with you is deep, intimate, and personal. And every hair on your head is numbered. He knows you better than you know yourself. Well, here's Francesca Battistelli with a reminder. The Lord even knows your name. Choose me first if I was looking for a champion. In fact, I'd understand. 
Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for opening our spiritual eyes as we learn. Thank you for the power that Christianity provides when we rest in its provisions, powered by God the Holy Spirit, instead of relying on self-will and human ideas of what constitutes Christianity. Thank you for giving us spiritual ears to hear your truth. Thank you for teaching us how not to make additions to or subtractions from the perfection of the Christian way of living that you offer us. Thank you for sending your Son as our Lord, our Ruler, our Reconciler, and our Redeemer. Keep us free from distractions as your Word gives us the strength, joy, and peace we experience when we realize that you love us unconditionally, that you forgive us totally, and that you are gracious toward us as we learn from our mistakes. Help us to enjoy being in union with you, Father, and with all the other members of the Godhead. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity, Relationship, Rules, or Rebellion. Well, today's lesson asks you a simple question, and as Christians, we must be able to answer the question, what is Christianity? Christianity is not a religion as God's enemy Satan would have you believe. He's always trying to drag goodness into his cesspool. Christianity is a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, what is a relationship? That's a really relevant question today because I think a lot of people have forgotten about these things called relationships. But what is a relationship? It is a state of being connected. And what has happened in our world today is we are more and more disconnected from people and more and more connected to things. But a relationship is a state of being connected, as in a marriage. It's an implied closeness powered by mutual respect, supportiveness, commitment, and fulfillment. At the moment of our salvation, God the Holy Spirit places the new Christian into a relationship with Christ, which the Bible describes as union with Christ. We are in Christ. You'll see that over and over in the Bible. You are in Christ. We are married to Christ as believers in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 points out how special this is. It says, If anyone is in union with Christ, and that's a first-class condition, if, if and it's true, if anyone is in union with Christ and all believers in Christ are, there is a new creation. Who you were when you were born dies on the cross with Christ at the moment of your salvation. And that is something that you didn't experience, is something you didn't celebrate, and and when I say experience, I mean experience consciously, not experience accurately, actually. You You didn't celebrate it, but it's something that you should celebrate, because Christianity is a relationship, and you become a new creation at the moment of your salvation. At the moment of salvation, God changes our status from being out of a relationship with him to being in a relationship with him a relationship we cannot exit. We are Christians chosen to serve the sovereign God of the universe. 
Christianity, a gift from God to Christians, is like this apple. Let me grab this apple. Now, if you're listening, you can't see this apple, but if you're not listening, you can. This apple is a golden, delicious apple. No, it's not golden, delicious. It's a red, delicious apple. And it's beautiful. Okay, so fine, I'm not a horticulturalist or whatever you have to be to, to grow fruit. All right, no big deal. But it's a red, delicious apple, and it's perfect. It needs no additions. It needs no subtractions. That's Christianity. So for believers in Christ, Christianity is your possession. And just as an apple, after you purchase it, can be held in your hand, just as you know that when you buy an apple, it's yours alone, so can Christianity be grasped and held as a gift from God to you. It's something you can use to guide your life. That's what Christianity is designed to do. It's designed to guide your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this, I am afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Christianity is simple. It's devotion to Christ. It's devotion to the Word of God which is described as the mind of Christ in the Bible. And it's personal, custom-made for you, the Christian. Christianity is deep. Christianity is intimate. Christianity is personal, if you allow it to be. Now, what does Christianity require of the Christian? Well, the Lord made the simplicity of Christianity clear in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. Here's what he has to say. One of the scribes came and heard the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the Sadducees arguing. And recognizing that Jesus had answered their arguments well, he asked Jesus, What commandment is the foremost of all? Mark 12, 29. Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel in Hebrew, Listen up, Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And one means unique. He's unique. He's 100% God and 100% human with the two natures combined into one person forever. Mark 12.30 And it is a command from God that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Mark 12, 20, 12, 31. The second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor unconditionally as you love yourself unconditionally. Do you love yourself unconditionally? Or do you spend a regular amount of time beating yourself up and wondering why you make mistakes? But he says, the Lord says, there are no other commandments that are greater than these. So the requirement for you being a Christian is really simple. All in. Christianity is simple and it's pure because it's powered by God and truth. Christianity is very much like the navigation app in our smartphones. It has a destination, heaven, and it guides us through a series of maneuvers here on earth to ensure that we get to the destination. Fortunately for us Christians, God the Holy Spirit is responsible for getting us to the destination 
and he doesn't ever make a wrong turn as we might. And, you know, what happens when you make a wrong turn? What does the, the, the navigation app say to you? Recalculating the route. Well, that's exactly what God the Holy Spirit does every time you make a wrong turn. He recalculates the route because he's not going to let you not get to the destination. You are not going to be the first Christian that he fails with. So as Christians, we can relax, knowing that God will get us where he wants us to go. And where he wants us to go is detailed in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, which says this, For those whom God the Father foreknew, and that's all believers in Christ, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, with the result, that the Lord would be the firstborn among many believers, among many brethren. As Christians, we don't have to be sucked in by the false hope that we can make ourselves Christ-like. I've lost a lot of friends in, well, they probably weren't friends, but I've lost a lot of people, a lot of contact with a lot of people who had that nonsense going on in their head. I have to be Christ-like. I'm going to really work hard to be Christ-like. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to fast, and then I'll be Christ-like, because Christ fasted in the desert. Yeah, that's not it. You've got to understand, Christ is the creator, and you're a creature. Christ never sinned. You always sin. You are not going to be Christ-like, so give up the fight. But what is true is God the Holy Spirit is conforming us, and that is important. We are perfect in God's eyes from the moment of salvation. Let me say that again so you hear it and hear it deep in your soul. You are perfect from the moment of salvation because at the moment of salvation, he gives you his righteousness. So manufacturing some false human version of being Christ-like is not on focus. If you commit personal sins... You are not Christ-like. As Christians, we can count on it that we will keep on sinning right up to the moment of our physical death. So Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. God wants us to nurture the relationship with him, with others, and with ourselves. So there it is. That's how easy Christianity is. It's God, it's others, it's self. It's three-dimensional in that regard. He wants Christians to reflect his unconditional love, his forgiveness, and his grace to a lost and dying world. So the question for you is this, how well are you living this standard in your relationship with him? How well are you living this standard in your relationship with others? And how well are you living this standard, especially with yourself? Well, that's the Christianity part. That's the relationship part. When we come back from our five-minute break, we will talk about the other two lifestyle options that we have, a lifestyle of rules or a lifestyle of rebellion. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery on my told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite with all the never get it right but it turns out they're the 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity. Is it a relationship? Is it rules? Or is it rebellion? Well, I asked a friend if he thought Jesus ever thought about money. And he said no. And I completely agree. What the Lord thought most about was giving. So as you think about giving, let your attitude reflect the Lord's attitude as communicated in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, which says this. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Since you benefit from the Lord's work in these Bible lessons, it makes sense to contribute to the workers who produce them. So give generously. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. That's exactly what I was going to say as I missed you and she used to give me that hoo 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 from Arsenio. That was like the best thing of my week every week. So, Good morning. My name, my name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a, a worldwide Christian church. And this is a place for real people to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth, the Word of God from the Bible. And this week I was thinking about silly things, and I was thinking about important things. And as my mind wandered, I was wondering, what, what's the favorite color of the world? Like if you asked, pulled everybody and asked them, and what, what would be the average, what would be the best favorite color? I have no idea. I know my favorite color, green, right? Color, <laughs> color money, right? Well, to that point, what's God's favorite color? What would he say? I have no idea. Probably every color, right? He's un- unconditional. Yeah, pastor says purple. But then if you think about more important things like your purpose, what's, what would the world say that their purpose is? If you, av- if you asked everybody, what would the average be? To be here for God, yeah, they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't know how to answer the question, but they, you know, overall it would probably be to be happy and be successful. Nothing to do, nothing to do with spirituality. Well, what would you? What's your favorite? What's your purpose? You know, what you, what do you decide your purpose is? And then, what is the purpose? God's purpose in our lives. And really, it doesn't matter what the world's. The world's trying to give us a purpose. And we're trying to choose a purpose, but if none of those line up with God, then we won't really have a purpose, in my mind. And so the purpose of this offering is your, it's your chance to give. And it's your chance to give, some, to give according to your ability and according to your opportunity. And so as you give at the offering, let's remember Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure. Press down so that you can fit more in and shaken together and running over for by your standard for by your standard of measure it will be give, measured to you in return so just remember the more you give the more you get and really giving isn't just about money it's about your time your talent and your treasure because all those things matter they all add up to help other people and to ultimately help get out the word of god that there is faith alone through christ alone so thank you for giving at the offering and I'll turn it back to you, Pastor.
Thank you, Denny, for that great offering message. Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Christianity. Is it relationship, is it rules, or is it rebellion? Well, in the first part of the lesson today, I told you that Christianity is like this red, delicious apple. It's perfect. It needs no additions and no subtractions. That's the lifestyle that the Lord Jesus Christ offers to all of us. He makes that offering to all of us. But unfortunately for human beings, there are other lifestyles that are offered to to us as well. So next we're going to talk about the other two offerings. So most Christians, and this is unfortunate because what unbelievers do, you get it. They are not living this. They are not living the apple. But most Christians are living a perversion of Christianity instead of real Christianity. What does it mean to pervert? When you pervert, you alter something from its original form to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. So what happens when you add gasoline to a pound cake recipe instead of water? It's perverted. What happens when you take something out of a pound cake recipe, like flour? It's perverted. So the additions and subtractions change the original thing into something else. That's what most Christians do to the perfection of Christianity. They add to it or they subtract from it. This is expected from unbelievers, but this is not the lifestyle of the believers in Christ. And why is it that that's not our lifestyle? Because we don't get to dictate what Christianity is. We didn't create Christianity. The Lord did. And so when the Lord gives us Christianity, he's giving us a gift And he's expecting to use that gift as given. He's not expecting us to take the gift and carve it all up into a pumpkin so that we get the kind of Christianity that we want. That's not what he wants us to do. So when believers embrace a counterfeit Christianity, they live a perversion. And Satan offers Christians two perverted lifestyles. One is called legalism. One is called lasciviousness. Okay, that's going to get you scrambling to your dictionary because (laughs) you don't hear that word every day. But God's enemy uses these lifestyle offers to pervert Christ, to pervert the word of God, and to pervert you. Satan is funny to me because for Christians, if we were playing basketball, the scoreboard says Christians won, Satan nothing, fourth quarter, and they're all zeros on the scoreboard. The game is over. As Christians, we live on victorious ground. What Satan wants us to believe is that the game is not over. It almost reminds me of the, uh, the Olympic gold medal basketball game in 1972 where the game was over and Americans had won, but the referees put more time on the clock, and then eventually the Russians won. And it's funny because I know several people who are on that team and they refused to accept the silver medal. And they shouldn't have accepted the silver medal because they won the gold medal, but it was taken from them. And that's what Satan wants to do with you. He wants to take your victory away. He wants to make you think you aren't victorious. And he wants you to live one of these perverted lifestyles. So let's talk about the two perverted lifestyles that Satan offers. One of them is called legalism. What is legalism? 
Legalism is adding to the perfection that is Christianity with an over-focus on the rules, turning Christianity into a perversion of self-righteous superiority and into a series of steps we could never follow successfully. That's what I hated about being a member of a religion. They give you these steps, and so you try to follow the steps, and you try to follow the steps over and over and over again, and you figure out, I can't do this. Now, when you, when you figure out you can't do something, you feel like a failure. And now you start making all these conclusions. Well, if I can't do this, then God doesn't like me. And if God doesn't like me, I'm probably going to go to hell. And it just spins up and up and up and up and up. And there are always people who are selling this viewpoint to you that if you don't do this, then you're not spiritual. And if you don't do this, you're not spiritual. But all that is is a ploy of superiority. I'm up here and I'm doing this. And if you're down here and you're not doing this, then you're down here and I'm up here. Now, I don't have to tell you that that's the way the world relates to all of us. The world is always trying to tell us that we are inferior in some way. Legalism is self-righteousness, and self-righteousness is condescending. Legalism is like a caramel apple. Okay? So you've got the apple of Christianity, but legalism says, oh, man, that apple would be so much better if it had caramel on it and if it had some peanuts on it. And now it starts adding all this stuff to perfection. All right, now the truth be told, I ain't going to lie, I like caramel apples, all right? (laughs) I'm not going to lie, I like nuts. But that's not Christianity. It's an addition to Christianity. And that addition perverts Christianity. And that's what we like doing. I notice this even in my consulting practice. I'll help people with a certain expertise that they need in selling like connecting, and I'll tell them, these are the five things you really need to do to connect. And they'll say, oh, wow, man, this is really good. And then they add 10 more steps. Well, what did they just do? They just complicated it. And that's what we do when we engage in legalism. We just complicate it. We, we complicate Christianity. Christianity is not complicated. Last week, what did we talk about? We talked about the elements of Christianity, rest, Because if you have faith in God, you can relax that he's going to get done for you what you need done. A ministry, a place to go where you can be with other believers so that you can edify each other. What do we do instead? We come one week, we don't come the next week. Oh, I'll just listen online. Okay, but that's not community. And that's not being in a place where you don't like somebody And they don't like you, and you have to use unconditional love. You don't have to use any unconditional love online. You don't have to use any unconditional love in your home. You don't have to forgive anybody online. You don't have to forgive anybody in your home. And you don't have to exercise grace in situations where you isolate yourself and be alone. What does the Bible say? It's not good for man to be alone. It is never as good being alone as it is being with other people. And that's just the way it is. But... You know, we're always being sold on a different thing. So legalism is self-righteousness, and self-righteousness is condescending. So false teachers, with their false teaching, proclaim 
that Christianity is good. Don't get me wrong, that believing in Christ stuff, that's really good. But it could be so much better if things were added to it. And as we study Paul's letter to the Colossians, which will begin next week, we'll see false teachers assail the simplicity and purity of Christianity with additions that pervert perfection. And that's what happened every time Paul went into an area and established a church. He would give them the accurate gospel message. They would believe in Christ. They were saved once and for all time. And then right in behind him came the Judaizers trying to drag these new Christians back into Judaism, which was a set of rules that they knew they couldn't keep. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, highlight the legalistic approach to life. Self-righteous legalists look down their noses at others. Here's Matthew 15, 1. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Because, of course, we'll be so much more spiritual if we wash our hands. Matthew 15, 3. Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? See, that's the funny thing about people who are legalistic, people who are judgmental. They're always judging other people, but they forget to simultaneously look at themselves. So, in essence, they're one-sided because one-sidedness is not objective. You know, there are two sides to every story. Somebody will come and tell me something about a person, and they're trying to influence my thought process. You know, you should think this about this person. And I always think in my head, that's just half the story. I wonder what the other half of the story is. But that is not the habit of most people. The habit of most people is to be sucked in and to believe whatever somebody says about another person that they don't know. And they adopt that as a viewpoint. That's what legalism is. And it's done for superiority. So in other words, why don't you look at yourselves? This is what Jesus was saying to the scribes and the Pharisees. Why don't you look at yourselves instead of pointing to other people? Because, yeah, they don't wash, my guys don't wash their hands. But on the other hand, what do you do? And judging, which is the first thing they were doing, is worse than not washing your hands, believe me. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 and 9, Jesus says, You hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It's an actor talking from behind a mask. And that's what most people, uh, all of us are. We're all hypocrites. We're all pretending like we're one thing and we're something else. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, Matthew 15, 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Matthew 15, 9. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as truth the precepts of men. That's what legalism is. Legalism is a bunch of guys getting together, making a bunch of rules, proposing those rules to people so that people will follow them instead of following truth. And so you, as a human being, have to have discernment. You have to know when you have a false teacher on your hands and when you have false teaching on your hands, so you gravitate away from it and to the truth. The easiest way for me to explain this to you is 
the food and diet industry. You know, a lot of us have a few more pounds on us than we would like. And why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because you're always busy eating these caramel apples, see? You put all that poison on top of that perfection. That's what happens. God, I want to take a bite of that. <laughs> but, I mean, if you go in Costco, 90% of the stuff in Costco is designed to poison you. And it tastes really good. I mean, who doesn't like Doritos, Cheetos, barbecue potato chips? Who doesn't like that? But they poison you. Who doesn't like grape pop or fruit punch or orange pop? You know, the staple of black people. <laughs> but it's got high fructose corn syrup in it. It's designed to kill you. It ruins your body. So, you know, the, the diet industry, which is probably about a, an $80 billion industry, says if you just do this program, you're going to lose weight. If you just take this pill, you're going to lose weight. And so we, we just feel helpless in the matter of losing weight. So what do we do? We try the program. We spend $5,000 on it, and what happens? We're fatter than we were before we started the program. False teacher giving you false teaching. You paid for it. They got paid, and you got an invoice. You've got to have discernment. If you're going to get into a program, you've got to say, who used it, how did they use it, and did it work? Did it really change things for me? Well, those who engage in legalism add to the supernatural power of Christianity. Christianity is supernatural. Legalism dumbs it down to the human and to the natural. But perfection needs no additions. Additions to Christianity are for superiority. It's the idea that I'm better than you if you don't live up to my standards. And many Christians think they're better than others. Evidently, they don't own mirrors. These Christians see and point out the flaws of others while conveniently ignoring the flaws in themselves. Let me make this clear. Legalism is not Christianity. It's poison. Paul dealt with legalism in a group of churches he founded in modern-day Turkey, it was a region called Galatia. And let's hear what Paul has to say in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. And Paul didn't get mad very often, but when he was writing this letter, he was out of his mind mad with the Galatians. He said in Galatians 1, 6, I am absolutely astounded that you believers in Christ are so quickly deserting God the Father who called you by the grace of Christ for a different false gospel. I gave you the accurate gospel, and now you're listening to these other guys who are evangelizing you with a false gospel, and you're listening to them. You're gravitating to them. You're already saved. You're a believer in Christ. You're saved once and for all time. Why are you listening to liars? Well, liars are easier to listen to. Galatians 1.7, which is really not another gospel at all. Only there are some false teachers, they were called the Judaizers, who are disturbing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what happens every time you get on focus. Every time you get on focus, something comes in to take you off focus. Some distraction comes in to ruin your focus. To pervert Christianity is to desert God's person and his work. 
Galatians 1.8. But even if we, Paul's talking about himself and all the other apostles, or an angel from heaven, even if an angel Gabriel or Michael came down, should preach to you a gospel, contrary to what we've already preached to you, he is to be accursed. The word is anathema. He's an anathema. He, he should have suffer the worst curse of all time. Galatians 1.9. And as we've said before, this is Paul saying, I don't believe you heard me. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any false teacher is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the gospel you received, and of course some are, he is to be accursed. Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the favor of men? Or am I seeking the favor of God? There's the choice. Are you going to listen to God's viewpoint? Or are you going to listen to some guy's viewpoint? Because I'm not up here to tell you my viewpoint. My viewpoint and $3 will get you a cup of Starbucks coffee. My opinion doesn't matter. All that I do as a pastor is tell you what's in here. I go in here and say, what is God saying to the people? And I tell you what God's saying to the people. I don't need to add anything to it because when I add to it, it makes it stinky. It's a perversion. So am I now seeking the favor of men or am I seeking the favor of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was still striving to please men, I wouldn't be a bond slave of Christ. What would be the point in worshiping Christ if I was just trying to get uh, accolades from men? So that's the first lifestyle that Satan offers, legalism, which is a nice addition to the beautiful and perfect apple. See, Christianity is perfect. doesn't need any caramel. doesn't need any nuts. The second lifestyle offered from Satan is called lasciviousness. What is lasciviousness? Lasciviousness involves subtracting from the perfection of Christianity with rebellion against the perfection of God's commands. It involves taking out the things in Christianity you don't agree with or ignoring the things in Christianity you don't like. It's disobedience to the word of God. It's an insatiable lust for all sinful things. Lasciviousness is like an apple with parts discarded or eaten away. Yeah, that Christianity is real good, but there's one part of it. I, I don't really like that part, so we're just going to ignore that part. All this gender stuff that we're dealing with today is taking away from what the Bible says the gender thing is all about. And every time you watch a movie, you're being told this is a normal lifestyle. Yeah, you have a normal lifestyle, but this is a normal lifestyle, and this is a normal lifestyle, and this is a normal lifestyle, and what it all boils down to is whatever I want to do, that's a normal lifestyle. That's not what the Bible says. And if you don't like what I'm saying, then talk to God about it, because he's the one saying it, not me. I have my own personal opinions about the whole thing, but they are completely irrelevant. And I... Yeah, you are welcome to accuse me of anything you want to accuse me of. You put any label on me you want to put on me because I don't agree with that lifestyle as a biblical lifestyle. And that does not bother me one bit. You know why? Because people have been doing that to me my whole life. 
They've been telling me how inferior I am my whole life, so I'm way used to it. Lasciviousness is the self-life. It's a life of rebellion toward God. And this way of being is not Christianity. It's a formula for misery. And do you notice that when we hear about these lifestyles, we never hear about the miserable things that they go through? You hear about uh, husbands and wives all the time and how their relationships are deteriorating and falling apart, but you never hear about any of these other relationships and all the things that go wrong as if nothing ever goes wrong in those relationships. Well, if you've ever been in any relationship, you know that there's always something that goes wrong in relationships. We just don't hear about it. So, from unbelievers, lasciviousness is understandable. But for believers in Christ, this kind of conduct is an abomination. That's not Christianity. False teachers, with their false teaching, proclaim that Christianity is good, but it could be so much better if a few out-of-date things were removed from it. And so that's what you get. You get a distortion, a perversion of Christianity that takes out the parts that people don't like. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 highlight what perversion looks like when anything goes. When it's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Here's 2 Timothy 3, 1. Realize this, that in every generation, hard to deal with and savage times will come. I don't think we have any problem knowing that that's exactly what's going on right now. 2 Timothy 3, 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, which is called covetousness, boastful, arrogant, revilers, who use mean and bitter words, disobedient to parents, turning away from God to attack family members, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, which means slanderers, without self-control, untamed, as we see in children today. One of the worst experiences of my life is going to an airport or being on a plane, sitting somewhere in the vicinity of an untamed child who is shrieking and screeching when they don't get their way and the parent doesn't do a thing. My kids wouldn't have dreamed of doing that. Why? Because they had been threatened. (laughs) Brutal, haters of good, who despise what is right and who embrace what is wrong. 2 Timothy 3, 4. Unloving, treacherous, traitors who betray others. Reckless, conceited, puffed up with self-importance. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 2 Timothy 3, 5. Holding to a superficial form of Christianity, an outward form of phony religiosity. Oh, because of you, Lord. You know, these are people who have all these little expressions on their Facebook pages or on their Instagram pages, or they're always spouting it out of their mouth. Oh, the Lord is my personal Savior. But then they don't study the Bible. They don't know one thing about the Lord. How Would you do that in a human relationship? Just be in a relationship with somebody and you don't know one thing about them? I mean, we don't do that with people. 
but we do that with God. The, 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 the being who created us, we don't have time to learn what he thinks, what he feels, and what he wants for us. Holding to a superficial form of Christianity, which is an outward form of phony religiosity, while denying the supernatural divine power of Christianity and replacing it with mediocre human power. And what does the Bible recommend? Turn away from such men as these. When Christians embrace either of these lifestyles, legalism, the lifestyle of rules, or lasciviousness, the lifestyle of rebellion, we voluntarily forfeit the supernatural power of Christianity and settle for a lifestyle powered by human power. We live in perversions of Christianity. If you want to know why you don't get what you want in life, I'll tell you exactly why. Because you settled. Because what is it like to really go for something? You decide what you want to get, and you don't quit until you get it. And the minute you decide what you want, what's going to happen is a whole bunch of obstacles are going to pop up and tell you you can't do it. And most of those obstacles will be your family members. What? You want to get to the next level. What? You want to be special. What? You want to make more money. You can't do that. People are always telling you that. And you have two choices when people tell you that. What you can do is you can listen to them. And you want to because deep down inside when you set a ridiculous goal, you don't think you can get it. If you set a goal and you think you can get it, it's not big enough. But when you set one of those goals, and it's a little bit ridiculous, like there's no way you should ever think that you could achieve that, what's the first thing that pops up? All the obstacles that are going to convince you that you can't do it. And you have to navigate them. It's like a race. It's not a sprint. It's hurdles. And you have to jump over a lot of hurdles on your way to what you want. It doesn't mean you can't get it. It just means you may give up long before you get to the finish line. Well, Christians have a choice to tap into two power systems. One of those power systems is human power from the source of self. The other system is the supernatural power from God. I don't know which one you want, but I want the supernatural power from God. But here's the problem. When you want to tap into the supernatural power of God you have to realize that you're powerless to get what you want. You know, what happens when somebody tells you you've got cancer? You don't know how to cure cancer. You don't know how to get that out of your body. You don't. And so you're going to have to count on somebody. All right, who are you going to count on? People in the medical community. But they're not God. But God has the power to take all of that cancer right out of you. Do you go to him? God's enemy doesn't want you to get to know the Lord or his word, so he sends false teachers with false teaching to pervert Christianity, to advance the spread of his perverted lifestyles. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 say this, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring alongside the truth destructive heresies. See, that's what they do. They give you a choice. You have the truth, and they'll bring along a lie next to it to create doubt about what you know about the truth. Even denying the master who created them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. 
2 Peter 2.2, 2, many people will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. 2 Peter 2.3, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. You know, let's face it. We want to believe lies. We want to believe what people say. And we believe without checking it out. That's not what faith is. Faith is placing your confidence in something after you check it out. So what happens when Christianity is turned into a design of your own making, where you don't just accept the perfect apple as it is, but you have to distort the apple somehow. You've got to take something out of it, or you've got to add something to it. What happens then? It's perverted. It changes the supernatural life of Christianity into a lifestyle that operates like the natural life of the unbeliever. It doesn't turn believers into unbelievers. I'm going to repeat that. When you adopt legalism or lasciviousness, it doesn't turn you from a believer to an unbeliever. Once a believer, always a believer. You can't lose your salvation. But it perverts things. And so, even if we adopt those other two lifestyles, we're still going to heaven. It's just that we deny the supernatural power of the spiritual life that we Christians have at our disposal every moment of every day, and we settle for a counterfeit. What's a counterfeit? It's something that's so close to the real thing as to be imperceptible. If I'm going to counterfeit something... I need to tell you about 95% truth, and I need to hide the lie amidst the truth. So some questions for reflection for you. How do you choose to pervert your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you choose to pervert your relationship with the Word of God? Because as a Christian, you need both of those. You have a relationship with Christ. You can choose to have a relationship with His Word. And that's what we come here for. We come here for the word. We come here to be bathed in truth so that we can tell the difference between what we're learning in the world and what we're learning here. So even though legalism, which is an overfocus on the rules, and lasciviousness, which is an overfocus on rebellion and the lustful self-life, are lifestyles we died to when we became Christians, because Christ nailed those lifestyles to the cross on our behalf. Many Christians are returning to the vomit of these lifestyles. Christianity is a lifestyle of freedom, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, which says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep on standing fast, believers in Christ, in the freedom, and don't ever again be entangled in a yoke of slavery. What does it mean to be entangled? You're entangled when you become twisted together with or entrapped in something. So, here it is. Here's the perfect lifestyle, right? And when you entangle it, you may cut something out of it or you may choose to add something to it. These two are not Christianity. Legalism, lasciviousness, that's not Christianity. Sorry. The power behind Christianity is divine and supernatural. 
and it taps into the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit who does not need our help to make Christianity effective. No additions, no subtractions. Here's what the Lord wants from you. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, beloved, that means divinely loved ones. And if you're a believer in Christ, you are divinely loved. Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. What is that? So you're not carried away into some goofy thing by false teachers. Be careful that you don't fall away from your own steadfastness in the freedom of Christianity, 2 Peter 3.18. Instead, grow in the sphere of grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So let's not just be Christian. Let's embrace the Christian way of living, a lifestyle of unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. Let's reject the natural and count on the supernatural. But there's a warning. Here's the warning. When you do that, you're a freak. You're a freak in the world. People say, you go to church? Why do you go to church? I don't go to church. I don't think you need to go to church to worship God. Okay. Well, we go to church. Is it okay with you if you're the only person in your family going to church? Is it okay with you if you're the only person in your family who's studying the Word of God? Is it okay with you if you make choices for you that are unique? For most people, it isn't. Most people want to follow the herd. (laughs) Want to be sheep. Get to know the Lord. Spend time with him. Schedule time to be with him. Listen to him. Hear him. And study his mind, the word of God. When you do this, your life will be changed forever. Well, the closing moments of today's lesson are dedicated to anyone anywhere who is undecided about having a relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is he wants you to make the most important decision of your life. Even if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you still matter to God. He created you. You're one of his creatures. And he wants the highest and best for you. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any to perish in the lake of fire, but for all to come to repentance. And repentance means a change of mind, voluntary change of mind, about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The bad news is that all of us are born into a state of unrighteousness. We're born physically alive and spiritually dead as ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers. In essence, you're born onto Satan's team. It's not your fault, but it is your circumstance. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, the Bible says, 
all in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who comes to earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. To God's enemy, Satan, the ruler of this world, you don't matter at all. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You are the someone on Satan's list. Satan despises you so much, he doesn't want you to be saved. He doesn't want you to be with God in heaven when you close your eyes in this life. Instead, he wants you to be with him in the lake of fire. He wants you so badly that he sends false teachers with false teaching to deceive you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, the Lord himself warns about this. Beware of the false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. When an animal is ravenous, it has an insatiable desire to tear you apart. So it is with false teachers who pretend to be for you Yet truly, they want you to be twice the sons of hell that they are. This gospel message offers good news to rescue you from the kingdom of death and darkness that you were born into, inviting you to be born again to the spiritual life available in God's kingdom of light. You can choose to be on God's team. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 highlight Jesus' mission concerning you. God the Father loved the world unconditionally and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be crucified on a cross. So whosoever believes in him shall not perish but has eternal life. John three seventeen. For God the Father did not send God the Son into the world to judge the world, but the Father sent the Son into the world that the world might be saved through him. God wants you to respond positively to the good news of this gospel message so that he can save you. Who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. If a gospel message makes it sound like you have to work to get to heaven, it is a false gospel message from a false teacher. Romans chapter 11, verse 6, says you don't have to work to be saved. Romans eleven six 6 says, if salvation is by grace, which means a free gift from God, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of your works. Otherwise, grace as a free gift is no longer grace. If you have to work for it, it is not free. Romans 4.4 4 is even more demonstrative, and it says you can't work for salvation. It says, now to the one who works for salvation, his wage for his work is not credited to his account as a favor from the grace of God, but his wage is credited as what is due for the work. Your hardest work is not perfect enough to earn you a spot in heaven. So relax. You can get to heaven when you close your eyes in this life 
free of charge. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. It says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. John chapter 3, verse 36 warns, He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life, eternal life, right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. If you choose, you can spend eternity with God's enemy, Satan, in the lake of fire. You don't have to do anything to do that. Or you can have the free gift of eternal life right this minute. Right where you sit right now, God can save you if you let him. You can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're counting on him for your salvation, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. In John chapter 6, verse 37, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, says, All those that God the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me for salvation, I will absolutely not cast out into the lake of fire. So Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, exhort you. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, if you're saying that he is God, and if you believe in your heart that God the Father raised him from the dead, and that's what made Jesus different, he was resurrected from the dead. If he's not resurrected from the dead, he's just another dead martyr. You will be saved. Romans 10.10, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in the imputation of absolute righteousness by God, which is your admission ticket to heaven, and with their mouth, a person confesses, admitting faith in Christ alone, resulting in salvation. Satan, the enemy of God, who is a very real being, not a concept, sends false teachers to give you a false gospel message. If you've ever had Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, they are false teachers giving you a false gospel message. If you've ever had members of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints come to your door, they are false teachers giving you a false gospel message. But they seem so sincere. So how do you know they're false teachers? Just ask them if they think Jesus Christ is God. And don't listen to the words they say. Just listen to the, the reaction in their body language. They do not believe Jesus Christ is God. Unfortunately for you, both of these groups are inviting you to spend eternity with them in the lake of fire. Neither of these groups believes that Jesus Christ is God. I have family members who are part of one of these religions, and in spite of my best efforts, even my family members don't want to hear the good news God is offering them. The lake of fire, that place we call hell, is real. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, the Lord says, the sons of Satan's kingdom, that's unbelievers, will be cast out into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many parents are false teachers, leading their children to an eternity in the lake of fire. Want to know if you're a good parent? Just ask yourself a simple question. Are you influencing your children to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe? He is the only way to get to heaven according to John chapter 14, verse 6, which says this. Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. 
I am the truth through the gospel message, the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. There's no time to waste. God wants you. If you want to go to heaven when you close your eyes in this life, simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Take his word for it concerning salvation and the resurrection life is yours, free of charge. Well, let's close with music. His is the name above every name. His name is Jesus. Here's June Murphy with one of our favorite songs and one of the best songs she has ever written. Come see a man. No. 
power of sin and death I have been free All the guilt and shame I carried from my past Was nailed with Christ to the tree Let's offer words of praise to our Lord. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Stop worrying about anything. That's God's command to us. Stop worrying about anything. Instead, in everything, by prayer and petition, with an attitude of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God the Father. And the peace of God the Father which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds, flooding your souls with peace, you who are in union with Christ Jesus. Jude one twenty four says, Now to Jesus Christ, the one who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to the one who is able to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through our union with Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Let us pray.
Almighty God and Father, thank you for giving us a true lifestyle, Christianity, a lifestyle that leads to our highest and best life. Thank you for making us aware that there are counterfeit lifestyles offered by your enemy, legalism and lasciviousness. Help us to reject these lifestyles and to make no mixture between perfection and perversion. Make us aware of the guidance of God the Holy Spirit who leads us away from these counterfeit lifestyles into all the truth. As we go back into the world this week, remind us to schedule time to interact with you, to learn from you, and to be filled with divine power instead of human power. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Well, if you have biblical questions, ask the pastor. My email address is pastor at baramministries.com. Happy to hear your questions and to work them into the lessons. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.